The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. So today we are in part four of our series on light, and um, the subtitle for today is light is present. Light is present. So I speak over your life in the name of Jesus and I say light is present. Light is present. And the fact that light is present is actually what makes light shine. So light can shine because light is present. The absence of light is darkness. Darkness is actually the absence of light. So when light is present, light can shine. So light is light because light is present. In the beginning, the scripture says when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void. When God steps into the scene and darkness was upon the face of the deep and God said, let there be light. That was the first thing God said and that was the first thing God created. Let there be light. So when God steps into a situation of darkness, light comes to being. I pray in the name of Jesus that God will step into your life and into your family in the mighty name of Jesus. So light comes to being. Where God is, there is light because God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. Well, God can be in darkness. Darkness cannot be in God. David said, Why, where will I run from your presence? If I go to the mountains, you are there. If I go to the depths of, of the earth, you are waiting for me there. If I go to the darkness, you are there waiting for me. In other words, even in dark places, God's presence is present. And there we separate the presence of God, the omnipresence of God, and the manifest presence of God, the Shekinah glory and presence of God. So the omnipresence of God can be everywhere. So God can be present in darkness. But the manifest presence of God, everywhere it exists, Darkness cannot be present. Praise the name of the Lord. So, and you and I, as lights, God expects us to be present in our families. He expects us to be present in our workplaces, to be present in our businesses, to be present at home, to be present at work, to be present in church. And when we are present, God expects that His light will be present. So, God wants you to bring your light to bear in your relationships. God wants you and I to bring our light in our relationships. And the light that comes from you should change the lives of your children. The lives that come from you should change the lives of your spouses. The light that comes from you should change the lives of your co-workers. God wants you to be present. 
But you know that you can be physically present and be absent. You know, a lot of parents and masters are doing that. They can be present in the house and be absent at the same time. You know, you can be present and be absent. God wants you to be present and your presence, you are paying attention. You are actually present when you are physically available. And it's also possible not to be physically present and for your presence to be felt. It's possible not to be physically present and you'll be present. Paul was saying to the Corinthian church, even though I'm not with you there physically, I am with you in the spirit. You can, your influence can go beyond your physical location. God is seated in heaven, yet his presence is on earth. It controls the affairs of men. So you and I need to grow in our light, in our influences, need to be present even when we are absent. So when you, I mean, many times you've heard me talk about my grandmom, you know, many times I'm in a situation that I need wisdom. It's as if my grandmom is there with me and she's giving me a proverb. She's, she's dead, by the way. She's been dead for years. And she's, she's with the Lord. I, I mean, I, I pray and prayer can't work anymore. I hope, <laughs> you know, I mean, I believe because of the life she lived. And the things she held there. So, so I'm almost sure she's with the Lord. But she's also in my sermon. And for many of you, she's also in your heads because, <laughs> oh, Pastor's grandma said that Igigogoroma <laughs> Gudiloju. What does that even mean? You dodge danger from afar. That's what it means. Now, God wants us to grow in our influence. By the time we are done today, you will be empowered to grow in your influence in the name of Jesus. God wants us to be present. It is so, I mean, sometimes disrespectful when you are with someone that is engaging with you and you are not present. You know, someone shared a story of how he was talking to his boss and he was, I mean, looking at his boss and, you know, talking about the project, trying to maybe, I mean, impress the man and all that. And he noticed that his boss was looking beyond him to something and he, he, he felt the man was present but not, was not present. He was present but was not paying attention to him. And he looked back and he saw a hot dog stand. The boss was looking at the hot dog stand and he was salivating while the guy was talking. As soon as he finished talking, the boss just went there, bought hot dog and began to eat. How would it feel? How would he feel? How would the guy feel? If you were, if you, were you, how would you feel? So every time, every time, every time we give people that are important to us our attention, every time, what we are saying is that presence influences happiness. You are actually 
increasing their happiness. Every time. Why is it that when children, particularly toddlers, they may be doing something that is totally stupid, like jumping upon a piece of paper. All they're saying is, Daddy, see, Daddy, see. Once Daddy's looking, they will be jumping with all their energy. Why? Why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Because they want happiness and your presence will influence their happiness. Why would they, a child that is running, you know, into our spots, they said, on your marks, said, go. The child is running and he's looking back and said, Daddy, are you, are you seeing me? I mean, everybody else is going. The child says, keep running. says, but can you see me? I'm running. Can you see me? Why do children do that? Why do children do that? Why do adults want attention? Because presence influences happiness. How come nobody wants to be ignored? How come nobody wants to be ignored? Simple. Presence with someone who cares about you makes the experience delightful. You know, we've, we've heard that, oh, women love attention. If you, be, if you believe that women love attention, just move quickly, very quickly, women love attention. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. Mostly women raise their hand. But the truth is that men also love attention. But in a different way, just in a different way. But every human being loves attention. And God is saying, when you give attention to the people in your life, to the people you are actually doing life with, God is saying to you that you are actually influencing how they become happy. You are actually, I mean, imagine, that's so powerful. So if I am actually listening to my friend, I'm actually listening. It means that I am distributing or increasing their happiness. I am communicating that they are valuable, as we're going to say. I am actually saying that what you are saying is important to me. And, and, and God demonstrated that to us, John 1, um, 14, John chapter 1, verse 14. You know, the, the, the word of God says in John 1, 14, it says, so the word Jesus became flesh, human, and made his home amongst us. What? Jesus did not come to visit. Jesus came to inhabit. He came to dwell with us. So he, he came so that he can be present to make his home amongst us. God wants to be present in your life. God doesn't just want to be someone that shows up on Sundays. And, and that's it. God wants to be present in your... When you, when you wake up, he wants to be present. He wants you to know he's there. When, when you are asleep, he wants you to know he's there. When, when you are driving, he wants you to know he's there. God wants to be present. And because of the, the, the challenge of, of um, the culture we are in, you know, and the time we are in, tech has eroded a lot of relationships. People can't actually even be, really be present because of 
tech. Tech is good. I'm a tech person. I love technology. I deploy technology. In fact, I, um, that is my vocation. But tech can be a challenge. Can be a big challenge in relationships. Relationships with fellow human beings, relationship with God, tech can be a big problem. In fact, there's a new word that has been coined by um, psychologists, you know, and, and that word is called teleferas, technoferas. <laughs> technoferas is the interference of technology in relationships as by American Psychological Association. Interference of tech in relationships. Technology takes presence away from us. There are a couple of, of, of pictures I wanted to show that, I mean, depict um, technoferas. I mean, the first one. Is that husband and wife both on the tablet technoference interference in the bedroom a lot of marriages this happens standard in fact the next slide tells us more actually becomes that. It actually becomes that. People actually turn their heads, turn their backs, and focus on tech when you should be focused on each other. Now, what can be wrong with technology being in the room? It's simple. Technology takes your presence, your attention away from the person that deserves it the most. Technology ruins it. In fact, I mean, I said it at the ATM service. Personally, when it's time to go to bed, phones don't make it into my room. As in, my phone doesn't, I don't sleep with my phone. Computers, iPad, everything stays outside of the room. Everything. Why? Because my grandmother used to say, have you heard that before? Talk is in the face, face to face. Why should you be on the phone? Why should you be browsing on your phone when you should be browsing somewhere else? Mm. The ayah. <laughs> Come on. You see, it's, it's a big challenge. I mean, when I stopped, I mean, almost a decade ago, just don't take phones to the room. I just don't. Look, the world will survive without you. It will. Just for a few hours. Don't worry. You'll be back to solve all their problems in the morning. Just for a few hours. No phones in the room. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> my wife has this device, you know, in the room. I said to my wife that, look, I feel that there's a third person with us in this room. This our privacy is being infringed upon by a woman. I feel very uncomfortable. 
and her name is Alexa. So we had Alexa, we had Alexa until a few days ago. We had Alexa in the room, and my wife says, Alexa, what's the weather? Alexa tells us the weather. How is the traffic to downtown Chicago? Alexa tells us, oh, you take this place, you take that place, you take this place. So Alexa is, is good, right? But when I want to sleep and it's time for sausage, I'm thinking, is Alexa hearing us? <laughs> Honestly, I'm like, so I want to test. So I say, Alexa, it comes up. I say, this thing is listening. <laughs> this thing is listening. So it was a battle in my, my I said, take this thing. And my wife says, no, I need it for weather. I, I said, listen, we can check weather elsewhere. So, you know, when democracy does not work, you need to resolve back to dictatorship. <laughs> so I unplugged Alexa and I threw it away. That was the end of Alexa. We are so resting pits. <laughs> and this is in our room. That's the end of it. Honestly, many times, many people think, should I shock you? Should I shock you? Marriage is not a democracy. That's not where I'm going today. But I just think I should just mention it. It's not a democracy. It's not majority of the vote. If you run your marriage based on democracy, you are going to ruin it. And God is going to hold you responsible. If you're a man and you're a spiritual man, you should work together. Two are better than one. But when there's a conflict, God has not left that to debate. God says, wives, submit to your husband. Shaking up. What does submission mean? There will not be a need for submission if there's no conflict. Do you know that? So the fact that there is conflict means you can't. So many times we let things go down the drain. Personally, so I yanked off Alexa and actually didn't trade away. I hid it somewhere, you know, and nobody knows where it is. The next picture shows us how bad this, you know, really gets. You don't need to be a prophet. You don't need to be a prophet to know what can, what's going to happen to this marriage. This wedding day, honeymoon. Honeymoon. I don't even remember their wedding night. If you remember, you're married, remember you're ready, now let me see your hands up. Do you remember? Okay, put down your hands. If you don't remember, um, <laughs> God will remind you in Jesus' name. <laughs> the point is, you can't have this. I mean, it's techno fair brands. The guys that gave us these devices, I mean, it's public knowledge, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, they didn't raise their kids with devices. Do you know that? They don't. They didn't. In fact, Steve Jobs says that iPad is banned from his house until his child is 14. Or any of his children. He sits at dinner table and has conversation with his children. What do we do 
we take these devices and shove it down the children's throat. Now, I mean, you could say, oh, but pastor, it keeps them engaged. It teaches them there's a place for it. There's a place for you as the parents. And it can never be overemphasized. If the people that make it think it is not good enough or it will destroy their own children, why am I giving my own child to sleep with it? Because I'm lazy? Because I'm tired? Because I won't do what I need to do? God is challenging us. The same way Jesus came and made his home with us, the same way he was present and is present with us, we need to be present with our relationships. How many of you here? Yeah. You have an iPhone. Let me see your hands up. The one from Apple, not the one from China. The iPhone, the original. <laughs> okay. Put out your hand. You have an Android. Let me see your hands up. The other phone, the other one for the masses. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You are there. Now, you don't have an iPhone and you don't have an, I an Android. Let me see your hands up. Ushers, please, can you carry these people out? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what they are doing here. <laughs> you don't have either. The point is this. That thing, it's a blessing, no doubt, but can be a problem. Every time, every time, it shows that every time you are connected to everyone out there, it actually shows that you are disconnected from those that are right in front of you. There's enough empirical data that, that proves that. Every time that you are connected to everyone out there, you are actually disconnected from the people that are right in front of you. And Romans 12, verse 2 says to us, Romans 12, 2 says, don't be so conformed to the culture that you fit into it without thinking. And that describes a lot of people's lives. We fit into culture without actually thinking. We, God is saying, Instead, let God transform you by changing the way you think. And one way is by spending time with God. Spending time with God. Because what you actually spend time with determines the presence that you carry. What you spend time with determines the presence that goes with you. If you spend time with pornography, you cannot expect to carry the presence of Jehovah. Intensely. Praise the name of the Lord. You can't spend time at the bar. Drinking yourself. With, to stupor. With spirits. There's a reason they are called spirits. Because they follow you. <laughs> After you have left. <laughs> That's why. The drunk guy is under influence. That's why it's, it's called, when you drive, being drunk, they say you're driving under influence. Influence of what? Spirits. They're following you.
Many times our thoughts determines our environment, the, the, the environment we cultivate. So you cannot have consistently angry thoughts. You are spending time in anger, in bitterness, in unforgiveness, and you're expecting to carry the presence of God. It doesn't work that way. What I'm saying, in essence, is this. The place you are present determines the presence you carry. The place you are present. If you want to carry light, the presence of God, which you will carry in the name of Jesus. You need to spend time with light. When the soap, the adage says, spends time with the leaf, after a while, the soap becomes the leaf. Oh, I did it again. I said I was not going to do it. The soap becomes the leaf. The leaf becomes the soap, yes. The leaf becomes the soap. Cultivating God's presence, practicing God's presence is totally indispensable. Totally indispensable. That is, when you carry, you, you spend time with God, you stay there. You just stay there. After a while, when you show up, God shows up because you are carrying God's presence. Praise the name of the Lord. You are carrying God's presence. So it is, it is not you. So, so you enter the situation and, you know, some people, all they are carrying is disorder. When they enter your life, they bring confusion. You know them. All they are carrying is confusion. Everywhere can be peaceful, but once they enter, there is what? Confusion. If you don't know them, if you don't know anybody like that, maybe you are the one. <laughs> maybe. I didn't say you I said Maybe. Maybe. The point is this, the point is this. Where you are present, determine the presence that you carry. You need to hunger for God's presence. You need to thirst for him. You need to spend, you need to pay the price to worship. You need to pay the price in the place of prayer to pray. You need to soak in God's presence. It's many times we assume that God is there. God is present and he is not there's a story in Luke chapter 2. Luke 2 from 41 to 50. Ten verses of scripture that brings this out powerfully. Luke 2, 41 to 50. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. Jesus wasn't present and he was not missed. The question is, if Jesus pulled back from you, will you miss him? I, I pray that Jesus will not pull back from you. And I pray that if for paradventure that happens, immediately you will know. They didn't miss him. Why didn't they miss him? They assumed every time you come to God based on assumptions, you're going to miss God. Every time you say, oh, if I sing three fast songs, then three slow songs, then I'm worshiping. <laughs> Sorry, that doesn't guarantee worship. No, you can sing all the fast songs, sing all the slow songs, increase the tempo, in fact, drag the song. 
I worship you. That doesn't guarantee. That doesn't guarantee that Jesus is there. Don't assume. They assumed there was a man to travelers, but when he didn't, but when he didn't show up, they're assuming I'm still in the previous verse. That evening, they started looking for him among their relatives. See the progression of search. Then they couldn't find him. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you. Now listen to what Jesus says. But why do you need to search? Why? What was the search for? Don't you know where I will be? Did you know that I will be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. You see, every time people lose the presence of God, they first search amongst their friends and relatives. Then they check the proximity of religious proximity. But the fastest way, and this is a secret, huge secret, the fastest way to reconnect to heaven and get that, you know, thing going back with God is find where two or three are gathered in his name. That's where he is. I've been, you know, I've gone through seasons where, of dryness, if you will. One of my fastest ways of reconnecting is calling up a friend that I know loves Jesus and just talking to him about scripture. And boom, you know, the fire, you know, gets to kindle. I find a fellowship. I just go and sit, you know, it's as if the corporate fire as a way of kindling says, I will be in the temple. Jesus says, why are you looking for me? Now, when you look at that uh, passage of scripture, Jesus is teaching us the power of presence. When he was there with the religious scholars, Jesus shows us a major key to presence, and that is attention. You are not more present than you are attentive. When you want to increase your presence with God, pay attention. How do you pay attention? Listening and asking questions. Listening and ask, and ask questions. What is God saying? You see, one of the amazing things about God, in my experience, is this. When I have a question, sometimes God asks me questions. When God asks me questions, 
Ah, I find the answer to my question. Praise the name of the Lord. I find the answer to my question. Listening and asking questions connects you to the people in your life. So think about it. Your colleague, your friend, you just want to talk and talk, but you're not listening. There are many of us, our husbands have been saying the same things for the past five years. You are not listening. You're not listening. Your husband is telling you the same thing. Hey, I've heard you, but you continue whatever you're saying. Uh, okay, no, 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 no. You're not listening. You're not listening. For some of you, your wife has been telling you the same thing. She has been telling you the same thing over and over and over and over again. But you're not listening. You're not listening. You know, you're not listening. What does it take to listen? Many times when people say that they listen, you know what listening is to a lot of people? Finish talking so that I can talk. That's listening. That's the definition of listening. If you're not listening, is you have had your tunnel. You have, you have said, your, when you were talking, did I talk? Have you heard that before? <laughs> when you were talking, did I talk? You, did I talk? I didn't talk. So now, that is someone that has not listened. Classic. I mean, I counsel, I, I don't counsel as uh, couples as much as I used to. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of other pastors do that these days, you know. Um, but I still counsel a few, you know. And it's a classic example. One person is talking, the other person is waiting. <laughs> Just finish. Are you done? Pastor, you see, I didn't talk who. When he was talking, it's now, and as they start, the other person is ejected. Say, did I talk when you were talking? That's not listening. That's not listening. That's not listening. Talking to, to a wife, the husband is saying the same thing. I said, Madam, did you hear what your husband has said? Eh, I heard, but she's not listening. And you see, the truth is this. Listening is the language of love. Listening validates people. It says you are valuable. Listening is the language of love. You have to listen. You have to listen. Just listen. Listening is not keeping quiet and letting the other person talk. No. Listening is actually hearing what they have to say. Asking questions to make sure you are understanding what they are saying. That is when you are listening. That is when you are actually listening. Otherwise, you are not listening. You cannot love if you don't listen. You don't want to listen. Are you listening to your boss? Are you listening? Your boss is speaking. You're not listening. Your boss is speaking. You're saying, oh, you want, you're not listening. You are about to be fired. Listen. Did you notice that it's the people that listen that gets promoted? 
And sometimes you say, oh, they are, they are playing politics. Go and listen. Oh, oh, they are playing favoritism. Go and listen. Go and listen. I mean, if it were you, who would you promote? The person that listens to you or the person that listens to you? Who would you promote? The person that listens because you are wise. If you say the person that doesn't listen, I would say you're a foolish person. The wise person is the person that listens. That listens. Why? Because that is how it is. When you listen, you're actually saying, I, you are valuable to me. That's what you're saying. You know, um, my daughter clocked 10 on Tuesday. She became 10 on Tuesday. I mean, just like yesterday, you know. <laughs> so, um, so one of the things I realized is that she entered a phase where she just wants to talk to her daddy. I don't know. Yeah, she wants to play with mommy, but I want to talk to my daddy. Can, I, can we go out alone? She wants me to take her out. So I take her out on dates to go on to the restaurant, sit down. I listen. She talks. I listen. Which boy is giving you problems? It's cool. <laughs> because, because. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I will not say our business here. So, but I discovered that I asked to myself, I will make sure I ask and listen until she's done talking. I'm not done listening. You know, many times when we, the, how we were trained was that when we came to our parents, they're like, what, what is, why can't somebody have peace in this house? What do you have to, go to your room, my friend. And they continue reading the newspaper or whatever they're doing. But listen, this is 2020. You need to change that kind of parenting. You need to listen to your children. Because if you don't listen to them, one boy outside will listen to them. Uh, uh, uh. In fact, before we got saved, the girls that were always in trouble with us are the ones that had daddy issues. It's very easy. They're the easiest to pick. Just scan. Find the one that has daddy issues. And easiest. No, I'm not giving you strategy. I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, you, you are not like that anymore. All things are passed away, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All things have become... All things have become new. All things have become new. <laughs> so in, in calling her also, so I, I, I said one of my decisions that, okay, when I call, I will not end the conversation until she's done. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. So the last time I did, I called and, you know, she took the phone away from my mom. She just went to her room. She wants to talk to her daddy. So, okay, so talking, then silence. Then I moved slightly to face my computer. She says, Dad, are you there? I say, I'm there. <laughs> you know? So she wants the attention, so she gets it. At the end, she says, okay, I need to go do some other things. God bless you. Bye-bye. End the call. 
I'm praying for grace to be able to do that constantly. Because it's hard. But you have to, if the person is important to you, if your spouse is important to you, you have to listen. A lot of us, we have children that are grown up and we don't even know who they are. Why? Because we are too distracted. We are too distracted. In fact, they've brought distraction home to us. They give us um, smartwatches. A lot of people have smartwatches. So, you don't get notification on your phone alone. It flashes on your wristwatch. And every time you get the notification, you feel compelled as if you are under obligation of the law to answer and respond. Does it happen to you? Or is it only me? Every time. Boom, boom. You feel you have to, to respond. People can't even pray anymore. Do you know that? People can't have sustained presence in prayer. They can't. Why? Because they start praying, the phone beeps, they look, they check, praising the Lord, read all my heart. Praising the Lord, read all my heart. Always. You know, it's a problem. So, people are becoming spiritually shallow because they are, we are too distracted. We are a distracted generation. And what we are doing is, 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 is this. You know, we are putting value on the unknown notifications because we don't even know what the notifications are about when the known is right before us in our presence. The people we care about. Statistics shows that over 98% of all those notifications can wait. Did you know that? Over 98% can wait. Of all the notifications can wait. So, you're talking to your spouse. The phone beeps. Ignore it because it can wait. When I'm talking with people, I mean, if you know me, most of the time, <laughs> over 90% of the time, my phone is on silent. It's on silent. And, and the world is still moving on. My phone is on silent. And not just on silent, sometimes on silent, most times silent face down. Because I don't want to see it. I have blocks of focus. 30 minutes, I'm focusing on this scripture. 30 minutes, I'm praying. I have an hourglass, or 30 minutes glass, if you will. So I turn it, it's an hourglass for 30 minutes. Turn it until it drains, until the sand drains, I'm praying in tongues. Until it drains. I'm not going to be distracted by... Uh, Kardashian has a new hairstyle. <laughs> Excuse me, what's that got to do with eternity? Nothing. Praise God. And those, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm counseling people, I'm, someone is in my office, and, and my phone, I'm talking to, to them, and my phone, I mean, lights up, which means there's a notification or there's a call coming in. I, I see it, but I ignore it, and I continue to talk to them. And they said to me, oh, pastor, your phone is ringing. And I said to them, without looking at the phone, it can't wait. What are you saying? How do you think they feel? Valued. Valued. I'm not under obligation of law to answer it. But sometimes, when they say your phone is ringing, I say it can wait. And they say, it's Pastor Dami. I say, ah, I need to answer. Because, because I'm under obligation of law. 
Because I want to live long. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, we need to realize that many things that have become urgent or the tech tries to make urgent to us, they are not actually urgent. They can wait. They can wait. They can wait. So when we look at that scripture, why was Jesus asking questions? He knew the arts of men. He knew the thoughts of men. He knew even before people begin to think, he knows what they're going to think. Before they were born, he knew them, and he was 100% God. Why was he asking questions? Because if you look at it, he says he was asking questions and listening. Then he says they all marveled at his understanding, at his answers. Does that even make sense? He was asking questions and listening. Then they all marveled at his understanding and his answers. They could marvel if he was answering questions or if he was talking. But he was asking questions. Why was Jesus asking questions and listening? Jesus was not asking questions. I'm browsing his phone. He was not asking questions and checking status updates. He was not asking questions. And, and, okay, let me give this a like and asking questions. Jesus was asking questions and listening. Why was he doing it? Jesus was doing it because asking, asking questions creates connections. That's what he does. That's what he does. Asking questions creates connections. Sit down with your daughter. Sit down with your son. Sit down with your spouse. Sit down with your friends. Ask questions. Not just this superficial question. How was your day? That's the only question. How was your day? What does that mean? And many times we ask those questions because we really don't want the, the, the answer. We, really, we are not interested in their day. We just want them to know that, hey, I am here. I hope you are good. So that tomorrow they say, ah, but I asked how was your day yesterday. And that's what some, some people ask. Years ago, it used to irritate me when I asked my wife, how was your day? And she says, oh, and I was driving. Then I stopped at the red light. In my mind, I'm like, okay, if you like, don't stop at red light. <laughs> then, then somebody was wrong. I mean, I mean spare me the details. Go. That was what I used to do. I used to do that a little bit. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. Just give me boom, 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 boom. But say, no, you need to hear this story. And when we do that, we are saying to people, you matter to me. God asks us questions, do you know that? When you walk with the Holy Spirit, he asks you questions. What he's saying to you is that you matter to me. He's connecting, he's connecting to you. He's saying, you matter to me. Many times, you know, wives will say, I don't even know how to Talk to my husband. My husband, I don't know when to, he doesn't like talking. He does, da, 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 da. Let me give you one secret today. Uh, <laughs> of, do you know the best time to talk to your husband? Do, do you know the best time to talk to your husband? If you know the best time to talk to your husband, let me see your hand. You are wrong. Say, <laughs> so, Pastor, you, have even, you don't even know. You are wrong because that is not the best time to talk to your husband. Because I know, I know what you are going to say. <laughs> 
I'm not Jesus, but I know what you're going to say. Research shows, extensive quantitative research shows that the best time to talk to a man in a married situation, to talk to your husband, is when he's driving. Would any of you have said that? No. So you are wrong. <laughs> you don't know. You add it to your knowledge. Now, with every research, obviously there are exceptions. But maybe your husband has a female gene. You know, some men like to just like women. I know. I understand. I get that. But generally, it's while he's driving. And the reason they say it is because that when a man doesn't make eye contact with his wife, it talks better. So, you intimidate us. <laughs> Maybe you should smile more. You know. The guy is intimidated. Most men are comfortable because they don't have to deal with all the nuances of the facial muscles that are changing. Except, of course, for some alpha male that has shown that they, they don't they engage, you know, face to face. They don't really care. But it also shows that some alpha males, too, will not because they can't look at their wives because they are guilty. They feel guilty for what they have done. And many times, they are guilty for what they don't know they have done. <laughs> what they have done to them. And say, I don't know, maybe I've done something wrong. <laughs> you know, let me keep a straight face. Praise God. You see, and when it comes to our children, we need to realize that we need to ask the questions. We need to engage with them because there is a time where we really cannot, our influence diminishes. And it shows us that from birth, from birth, a parent has 936 weeks to influence the child. So a parent it typically has now it takes six weeks from birth. So when your child is 10, you have only 415 weeks, 16 weeks left. That's still they are 18 or they graduate out of high school or secondary school, as, as you will. When they are 18, zero weeks left. Of course, plus or minus cultural influences, you know. So we say, no, 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 21. Some of your children, you have lost control from 13 because of what you didn't do from week zero. Sometimes, if you do this well, you actually will can maintain, I mean, not control, but influence. Even after you die, like my grandmother does, you know, my life, because of how genuine and legitimate your light is, so when we engage with our, with our spouses and our children, we have to be deliberate. We have to be deliberate because we are so distracted. We have to get rid of all the distractions. 
We are such a distracted bunch that, you know, it, they say that 80%, over 80% of drivers admit to blatantly hazardous behaviors such as changing clothes while driving, staring with the foot, painting nails, even shaving. Crazy stuff, which we are all guilty of. You have changed your clothes while driving. Either worn a tie or changed a shirt, put up your hand. Me, my hands are up. I've done that before. Going for a meeting, I was driving. <laughs> wore a tie. It's, I, I shouldn't do that again. I won't do that again. You know, I will pack and change. Some people painting their nails. Every woman that has painted their nails, even brushing teeth. Ah, foundation, makeup. Ah, oh, Biri. How can you do foundation? Why are you? Hey, it's normal. God will deliver us. <laughs> foundation. I need to send it to this guy so they can update. <laughs> You see, the truth is this. When we live a distracted life, we put other people's lives at risk. Not only do we not get the best and put our lives at risk, we put other people's lives at risk. There's a, a scripture in, in Luke 10, classic scripture on distraction of, of Martha and Mary. Luke 10. Luke 10, 41 and 42, Luke 10, yeah. Luke 10 says, but the Lord said to Martha. This is Martha griping about Mary not coming to help her. The Lord said to Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Since there is only one thing, everybody say only one thing. Only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. She went to meet the Lord to take it away from her. God says, I'm not going to take it away from her. Martha, you are worried about what is on the fire, what's on the stove. Martha, you are worried about what is cooking, Martha. And for many of us, we are like Martha, we have many things cooking. They are distracting us. And Jesus is saying to you, as he's saying to Martha, that Martha, Martha, <laughs> what's on the stove is not more important than who is on the throne, Martha. What's on the stove? What is on the stove? What are you cooking? What's on the stove? What is going on in your life? Your, your finances? Is it, is it your family? There's a family chaos. What is going on? Jesus is saying to Martha, Martha, what's on the stove is not more important than who is on the throne. I am here with you. How come I'm not that important? As we step into the week of the um, mini vigils that we're going to have, I want us to keep an, all our focus on Jesus because he is the one on the throne. What is distracting you from the throne today? Your bank account? What's distracting you from the throne today? Sometimes it's the busyness of work. You have to get up 
You have to go. There's no time for God. There's no, you can't carve out time that you just lock down. What's on the stove today? Martha. What's on the stove? Martha. What's on the stove? Can we get to a place that it's not even about the number of songs that we sing? Sometimes that can even be what's on the stove. You know, you can be in the choir. You are worried about the list of songs. That's not the person you're going to sing the song to. You're worried about the chord progression, not the person you're playing the music for. So we can get to a place. Like the songwriter said, when the music fades, and all is stripped away. And I simply come, longing just to breathe something that's so warm, that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more. I'll bring you more than a song for a song. Much deeper within to the way things are being. You're looking into my heart. Oh, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of when you can begin to worship. The reason people can't worship or don't worship is because they come to church and they don't, they can't, they don't sense God's presence. It's like, it's, it's like just another place. They could have been in the Rotary Club, I mean. 
But the difference between the, the Rotary Club and the Church of the Living God, the Church of Jesus, is because of God's presence. John said to the people, there's one greater than I that is here. Jesus said to the people, there's one greater than this temple, greater than Solomon that is here. And that is me. On the Mount of Transfiguration, God said to Peter, James, and John, it's not about Moses. It's not about Elijah. There's one greater than Elijah. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. So, are you going to worship Jesus? Or are you not? As we draw the curtain, you know, 10 a.m. people, you guys are super special. You tend to get much more than 8 a.m. people. <laughs> I'm going to give you three keys to increase your, your presence. And we are done. We are going jet speed. Are you ready? Number one, to increase my presence, I need to evaluate the why of my distractions. Why am I distracted? Why do I struggle to be present? Am I bored? Am I scared? Am I unhappy? Do I feel betrayed? Why do I? What is the, what's my why? Psalm 46, Psalm 46 verse 10. God says to us, be still and know that I am God. Why am I struggling to be still? Why is God saying be still? Because you can't be more present than you are within. You can't. So the first thing is, I need to evaluate the why of my, of my distraction. Why am I distracted? Have I placed work ahead of my relationship with God? Why am I distracted? The second thing is, is this. <laughs> Identify your relational values. What is important to me? My relational values. What kind of parent do I want to be? What kind of parent do you want to be? When it's all said and done, when we all exit, every one of us, we exit. Our parents, some of us have, have exited. Your grandparents mostly have, have exited. So the question is, what are my relational values? What kind of friend do I want to be? When I'm gone, what do, I, what do I want my friend to say? What kind of friend am I? What kind of spouse do I want to be? When I'm gone, what do I want my spouse to say? What kind of spouse do I want to be? What are my relational values? What are my relational values? What kind of co-worker do I want to be? When you are not there at work, what kind of person does, do they say you are, your co-worker? Your, what do they say? What are your relational values? What kind of Christian do I want to be? What is God saying about me? This is the most important thing. What kind of Christian am I? What is God saying about me? What I need to evaluate my wise of my distractions, identify my relational values. When it's all said and done, what will my son say about me? What will your son say about you? Dad had a lot of money. Had a lot of cars. 
That's all, that's all your son can say about you. Then once you've evaluated the why of your distraction, identify your relational values. So, so, Pastor, what do I do next? The final one is this. Shut down occasionally to eliminate the distraction and align with your values. So you shut down to eliminate the distractions and align with your values. Shut down. It's, it's okay to shut down. It's okay. It's okay to put off your phone. It's okay. It's okay to shut down. And I've shared with you how we, we do it. I mean, I, I deflect daily. I withdraw weekly. I abandon annually. So every day, I'm deflecting. I'm, I deflect daily. Every week, I'm withdrawing. I withdraw weekly. Every year, I abandon. Then every year, I just walk away. I leave everything to Jesus. Just walk away and go and rest. And that is how it is. You, otherwise, you, you, that place, when God says, be still and know that I'm God, that is when you see the presence and the power of God. How do you get soaked in God's presence? It's when you, when you worship, when you, when you pray, when you sing, when you worship, it is the time when you are quiet. Just be still, just be quiet. Some people get uncomfortable just being quiet. Just be quiet until he envelopes you. Then you know that you are there. You know? Praise the name of the Lord. So it's okay to put off your phones. Remember, some time ago, I was, I, my office was there. I was going to VI. I drove out of the office. I was about one third, one quarter way to VI. I discovered that I did not have my phone. I panicked. Has it happened to you before? That was when I knew that, ah, while I day. That was over 10 years ago. Yeah. And I did justice to it. Now, I can't forget my phone. I don't, I don't feel that. In fact, there's a, another new one that they tell us that exists for it. It's called no more phobia. No mobile phobia. That is the fear of no mobile phone. And it's a, psycho, it's a mental health issue. It says it's often associated with separation anxiety. Nomophobia comes with a set of identifiable symptoms, they say. The experts tell us that it increases your heart rate and blood pressure. Shortness of breath in some extreme um, conditions. Anxiety, nausea, trembling, dizziness, depression, discomfort, fear, and panic. All because of a phone that you did not have 20 years ago. Or 30 years ago, rather. Just shut it off. Shut it down. Shut down your, shut down your phone. I mean, for, for me, for the, apart from the morning devotions, that I do on Instagram every Monday morning. I said, for the whole of January, I'm not going to put any post anywhere. I don't need, I need to focus and get my direction. No posts on Facebook. Some people from day one, happy new year. Oh, ah, you're so big. It's okay, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying that, listen, listen. Maybe you have no more phobia. Because research shows that 50% of adult males in the U.S., but you can 
extend that research, have nomophobia. You feel anxiety. Let me prove it to you today. Come to the office, leave your phone in the church office and go home. We'll keep it well. Lock it so that no one is prying into your message. Just go home. If you don't feel panic, anxiety, then you don't have nomophobia. If you feel it, then you have it. Shut it down. I have a lot of strategies. One of these that I don't receive emails on my on my phone. When I I cut I cut that over ten years ago, I don't receive emails on my phone. I believe it added about fifty years to my life extra. So maybe I'm, I'm supposed to live a hundred years. Maybe now I'm going to live one fifty years. <laughs> I don't. Email is on my is on my laptop on my desktop, and I open it when I look. If you and I'm, I'm techie, I, I code, I write mobile applications. Most people can't code. If I take a census, you can, so I'm more techie than you are. I'm telling you, you need to take action. Action. <laughs> Evaluate your wives. Identify relational values, shut down. Be still and know that I am God. That's what God says. So presence, finally, communicates. In summary, you matter to me. That's all he does. When you create time for God and you are present, you are communicating. God, you matter to me. When you create time for your spouse and you are present, you are communicating. You matter to me. When you create time for your children and you are present, you are communicating. You matter to me. And that is when your light can shine into their lives because light is present. That's what Emmanuel means God with us. Ima, Ima, Ima. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. As we sing that song. Ima,
I want to pray with you today. If you are here and you cannot say that God is with you, you cannot say that Emmanuel, in the real sense, that God is with me, that my life is with Jesus. You've never given your life to Jesus. Or you used to be born again, but you're not with Christ anymore. I want to pray with you. You're like, Pastor, pray with me. Should I come forward? You don't need to come forward. I pray with you wherever you're seated. That is me, Pastor. I want God to be alive and real in my life. Put up your hand wherever you're seated, and I'll pray with you there. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my brother. Right there. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother at the back. I see your hand. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Another hand over there. Another hand over there. I see that hand. Keep the hands up. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. Keep the hands up until you have a card. Then you can put on that hand and just cry to him. He's there with you. He's right there with you. He's Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. God with God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Another hand over there. God bless you. Another hand there, my sister. Right in front of you, Oga. God bless you. God bless you, my sister. Right in front of you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Another hand there. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. Keep the hands up until you get a card. Once you have the card, you can put on your hand. I want to open my eyes to this God, this King, this maker of heavens and the earth. I want to start a relationship with Jesus today. I've never given my life to God. Put up that hand. I will pray together. I will pray together. Keep the hands up until you get a card. Oh, as we call on your name. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you that as they come to you, uh, reveal yourself to this one. Change these lives, O God of heaven. And we pray for every one of us that has heard your word today. Lord, help us, empower us to be present. Present in your presence with you. Present in our relationships with our spouses, with our children, with our friends, with our families. With the people that matter, oh God of heaven. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying.